0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Tucker Bryant. This is Stuff You Should Know, uh, the podcast.
0: This will be done all in sing
1: song. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to hear me sing songs because. I've heard you sing songs. Your heart will melt, glasses will break, my
0: heart will go on birds with shirts and uh, grown men will kiss each other on the mouth right
1: (laughs) (laughs) so inspiring that'd be pretty cool if you could do that just by singing (laughs) yeah like you kiss him now (laughs) glass you break
0: what you're talking about is Chevy Chase in Modern Problems I never saw that one he didn't have to sing but he he gained uh, telekinetic abilities he could make things happen just by thinking it, them.
1: I shouldn't even say I never saw that one. That's not that much of a surprise. Everyone knows how my
0: dad raised me.
1: <laughs> but I'd never even heard of that one until
0: yeah. just now. 80s movie, Modern Problems. It was, it was uh, very dumb, but it was one of those early HBO movies for me. Uh-huh. So I just sat around and watched it like constantly. And I had a couple of dirty jokes, so I was I like, gotcha. oh my
1: God. I got gotcha.
0: you. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did we get on that?
1: <laughs> it, it was me. So, Chuck. Yes, Josh. Uh, we are now um, friends, I guess you could say. After four years,
0: we finally crossed that cusp.
1: No, I'm not talking about us.
0: Oh, oh, we're not <laughs> friends still.
1: You and I are friends. Yes, we are. We are friends with Science Channel. Oh yeah, and um, as such, we are pretty excited that they have something going on pretty soon.
0: Yeah, and this relates to our podcast topic, which is it's the reason the we we're. It's the very reason we chose this podcast topic. Yeah,
1: um, Science Channel is um, bringing Fringe. The cult classic television show Fringe mm-hmm. um, to its airwaves. Yeah, starting uh, November twentieth.
0: Yep, they're going to show all five seasons. And uh, we were even lucky enough to meet uh, meet the guy. The guy at at Comic Con. Yeah, not Joshua Jackson, Doctor Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> That's not his name.
1: Timmy Fringe,
0: Uh, Mr. Noble, and he was very nice. And uh, and yeah, because
1: he's not just on Fringe; he's on Dark Matters too. He's the host of Dark Matters on Science Channel. That's true.
0: But I personally watched Fringe. I watched all the first season. Mm -hmm. Me and Emily did. Emily and I, excuse me. And um, I really enjoyed it. And just it was one of those things that I didn't watch season two, Beyond and Beyond, because it just, you know, life got in the way or something. But it wasn't because I didn't like it. It was really good. It sort of had a X-Files vibe. Oh yeah, and the twists that they've managed to work in there. Yeah, but the science was more predominant. Right. So I liked it, and I'm totally gonna watch seasons, well, I'll probably start with season one again.
1: Well, then you should tune in November 20th. Yeah, right? and
0: I'm gonna watch seasons two through five now on Science Channel. I'm pretty stoked about that.
1: Right. Yep. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, in honor of Fringe, we chose kind of a Fringe science topic. You did. That's right. I think it's a good one, Chuck. Yeah. Um, Designing Women. I mean, Designing Children. (laughs) Remember that
0: show? Oh, yeah. Man. What was the one that followed it with Burt Reynolds, uh, Evening Shade? That seemed. Was that tied?
1: Was that a spinoff?
0: No, but I think they were packaged together. Oh, gotcha. Tuesday night, Redneck Hour.
1: (laughs) Sugar Bakers. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah, I watched Designing Women. I didn't watch Evening Shade, though, which surprises me because I I love Burt Reynolds.
1: I, uh, yeah, I didn't see it either.
0: But yeah, Designing Women.
1: It was a good show. (laughs) Um, no, we're talking about designing children, and not just designing children, designer children. That's right. Uh, the idea that one day, in the very, very, very near future... Yeah, like now. Um, ...we'll be able to make kids ready to order, made to order.
0: Yeah, in certain ways. Like I think right now, you we have the ability to select eye and hair color... But they're just not doing it yet because they tried that in, in Los Angeles and people were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa." Do you remember that? Yeah, we don't like this. We shouldn't be doing this.
1: And I think that's really significant that that happened. Like the first real commercial attempt for basically just saying, "Hey, you want a blonde kid? We can give you a blonde kid." Mm-hmm. Um, Received public outcry, international outcry. Yeah, so much so that the people are like, "Okay, sorry, we opened our mouths. Yeah, Everybody geez. just forget we said anything." Here's your brunette. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You roll the dice, jerks. We don't care, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I find that significant, you know. Sure. Because I wonder, um, you know, how it's going to go. How it, when it does become really commercially viable, to really make your kid a different person than they n- would have been naturally. Like, how people will accept that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the stuff of science fiction that is really happening now. Um, The movie Gattaca is referenced in this article. I never saw it. Really good movie. Is it really good? Yeah, man, it's good. It's like a thinking man's science, uh, I I don't know if you call it a thriller. Maybe a thriller. Intrigue, at the very least. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's good. And basically the synopsis there is, without spoiling anything, is that the not too distant future, we are able to, in Gattaca, um, to build designer children that will grow into designer adults that are like disease-free and highly athletic and very intelligent. Yeah. And then the rest of the schlubs of the world are, you know, sorry, TS for them, basically. Yeah,
1: go eat your potato chips. Yeah, so see Gattaca. It's a good one. Okay. you well... like it. Yeah, every time you say like this isn't going to spoil things,
0: <laughs> I but tried really hard not I, to spoil there. I
1: was watching an episode of Breaking Bad the other day. You and I were, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, "How do I know what's about to happen?" And I was like, "Chuck,
0: did I spoil something there?" Yeah, in the meth episode. The, oh, in the me- oh, I thought you meant, <laughs> I thought you meant the one in Breaking Bad that was about meth. I was like, "They're all about meth." Right, right. <laughs> I didn't yeah. spoil that. No, that. Yeah, no. no I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. So sorry. That was not a spoiler for Gattaca, though.
1: Um, so, Chuck. Yes. Let's talk about all this. You say in 2009 they came out uh, against that fertility clinic in Los Angeles. Yes. That's a good example of a, a commercial business saying, hey, we can do this now. Uh, a good example of a government saying, hey, you can do this now. We need to do something about it was the U.K. proposing a bill, and we couldn't find out whether it passed or not. It's so
0: frustrating how hard it is to find out things like this sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, if if you write an article about something that is big enough for somebody else to use in an article, you better follow up. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> it's saying. It's your
0: duty, journalist. <laughs> so what we know is it was protested at least, so I'm not sure if it went through.
1: Well, and the reason it was protested, it was protested um, largely by the uh, deaf and hard of hearing community over there. Because this bill would have or did prohibit um, selecting kids for disease or disability, right? Mm-hmm. So if you it allowed you to select against that. So if you if you have a kid that has a disability, you can be like, I don't want that kid. Mm-hmm. But it prohibited selecting for them. And the deaf community said, Hey, um, if hearing parents can select hearing kids. Deaf parents should be able to select deaf kids. So if you're going to call deafness a disability, you need to change this, this bill. Yeah. Which is a pretty cool thing to protest, if you ask me.
0: I don't know how I felt about it. I thought I still don't know. Wow, this is going
1: to be a good one, then.
0: <laughs> I'm, I was utterly confused. I, I, I was like, why would you want your child to be deaf and, and be at a disadvantage straight out of the gate in life? But then I thought... Well, is it a disadvantage?
1: Exactly. That is a great, great question. So like, I,
0: I don't know. That's where I ended up was.
1: Huh. Did you know that 93% that's the highest, most recent figure I've seen? 93% of all Down syndrome fetuses mm-hmm. are aborted. 93%. I believe that. Right. And that's the same question. It's like, some people are like, well, why would you want your kid to, to be disadvantaged? And well, are aborted
0: say, or not? Not selected through IVF. Aborted. Okay.
1: Um, And so some people would say, why would you want your kid to have, you know your kid's going to have a disadvantage, and other people say, like, have you ever met a person with Down syndrome? Like, uh, they're pretty awesome people. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And I think that that is, that's just one argument throughout this idea of designing children.
0: Save Your Siblings was also included in that uh, bill in England. Let parents select embryos that would make suitable savior siblings. Yeah. Very controversial. Uh, I read a couple of articles on this. Savior siblings are basically kids that you conceive initially with the purpose of being able to act as donors for yeah. their older brother or sister.
1: Like you're, you're, the kid that you love is born with like bad kidneys. Yeah. Have another kid that's gonna be a suitable tissue donor because you know ahead of time before the kid's even born that it will be. Yeah. It's so that they can give them one of their kidneys.
0: Yeah, there was a, um, article, uh, that I read where these parents had, had, had a quote unquote savior child mm-hmm. and used, you know, they said what we ended up using was a teaspoon of umbilical blood that would have been thrown in the trash. And that's what saved our other kid's life. And this is not a designer child. It's not some mm-hmm. freak of science. This is the reason we had this child, but doesn't make it any less valid. So uh I think ultimately
1: it's how you treat the child after they're born.
0: Well, you treat them as like your regular child. You it's not hope. like you put them in a closet and wait for the kidney. Sure.
1: <laughs> You'd hope, but at the same time, I mean like you can go down the road and say well, having a um savior sibling is also having a kid to strip for parts. Yeah. You know? There's there's another interpretation of the whole thing. So I mean yeah. like if if you are going to have your kid like that, is it valid for society to be like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. How are you going to treat your kid afterward? Like, Is that one of the worries? How they would treat the kid? I've never heard that as an argument. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because it's not like you can have a kid use all of their, harvest all of their organs and kill them. <laughs> of course not. So I, I think it's it's like the effect, the impact it's going to have on that child and their own identity as like a human being and, and a unique right. individual human being rather than a walking organ bank
0: for their brother. I would, I would think I would appreciate that growing up knowing that I was born with a higher purpose of potentially saving my older brother if he ever needed it. Sure. You know?
1: Sure. Depending on how you're raised.
0: Yeah. You know? Are you like Danny DeVito in twins?
1: Right. Or are you like the, the savior sibling? It's a great way to put it. Like you're the savior of this other sibling. Yeah. It just all depends to me on how the parents raise those, those children in that, uh, Abnormal dynamic that's fostered through our technology.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine, though, that a parent who would care enough about their one child to have another to save them would mistreat or shun the other child in any way. That just doesn't make sense to me. I just uh, opened my hands in a gesture of, (laughs) I don't know everybody. (laughs) All
1: right. Um, So let's talk about this, Chuck. Let's talk genetics for a little bit. I had to go back and do some um, Genetics 101 Oh, yeah? Priming. Um, and I did that. As I did, I realized that I wasn't going back and remembering it. I was teaching myself for the first time in a lot of ways. Yeah, sure. I've never really gotten genetics. Even though it's so s- straightforward and cut and dried, yeah. there's always, like, even if you read this Designer Children article, like, these are two of our best writers, and, like, it just doesn't come across quite right oh, you to thought-
0: me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe so. Like me in numbers.
1: So, back in 2003, yes, the Human Genome Project announced that it had fulfilled its destiny and successfully mapped the human genome. And the human genome is the sum total of the information contained in the human DNA. That's right. Right?
0: Um, Are you going to say the word? What? What DNA stands for?
1: Oh, dioxyribonucleic acid. I would say deoxy. Yeah, <laughs> I've always heard dioxy, and then I was looking at that E, so yeah, either way. Well done though. DNA. And DNA is simply a couple of strands of sugar mm-hmm. that form a helix, a double helix. And they're joined by what looks like rungs on a ladder.
0: Sugar and phosphate, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, and these rungs are made up of nucleotides, one coming off of each of these strands. Yeah,
0: the little twisty ladder that we all love now. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so the rungs of the ladder are made of these nucleotides, and when they come together, one on each side, they form this full rung. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are called base pairs. And there's four types of nucleotides, right? That's right. There is uh, adenine, cytosine, thymine, and guanine. And you put them together, and what you come up with, ultimately, is a four-letter language for the blueprint of an organism. Pretty cool. Not just making an organism, but maintaining it as well. And if you look along this strand of DNA, Mm -hmm. you're going to find little segments where this combination, if read by a ribosome, uh, can be used to explain how a cell can make a certain kind of protein, usually about three proteins on average. Right. And proteins are what are used as the building blocks of cellular life and its functions. Like everything from our behavior to like the structure of your eye is based on proteins, right? And your your genes, these little segments that are encoded uh, along the DNA um, that express these proteins are, are blueprints for how to express the proteins. That's how they're made. That's what they do. That's right.
0: Right? That's right. We have between 26,000 and 40,000 genes. Right. As a human.
1: <laughs> Everybody's so happy you just did that. <laughs> as a
0: human. 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 God, I just messed it up. Mm-hmm. How about that? Uh. Had you been designed properly, <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. So what I thought was interesting that out of the 3 billion base pairs, it's mm-hmm. about half and half. Right. Of useful DNA and the rest are junk DNA
1: yeah junk dna okay and they they don't think that it's like junk dna like it it's totally useless they think
0: that possibly we haven't found the use yet
1: right yeah. or they they think that possibly one of the uses is that it says it it tells um like stop like here's where here's where this gene stops yeah or, um, this is how much of this protein you should express in this, this adjacent gene. Yeah. That this junk DNA is next to. Or it just provides like structure. Yeah. Like actual structure to the, to the double helix. Right. It's also possible that this is just, um, DNA left over that was deposited by viruses eons ago that, that don't, that don't express themselves any longer in us. Right. Cause that's what viruses do. They insert their own DNA in ours. That's right. Isn't that crazy? Dirty buggers. Yeah. Um, So you've got this DNA, it's making up chromosomes. Uh-huh. You've got 23 in your body, and as complex and as massive as this sounds, Chuck, 23, 23 pairs. 23 pairs. Thank yeah. you. Um, it, as as massive and complex as this whole thing sounds, every cell, except for a mature red blood cell, has a full human genome and many chromosomes in it. Yes. Every cell, and that's just in the nucleus. That's crazy. It is crazy. So you've got all this. We've got a pretty good handle on this. The human genome, we, we've mapped it. Now we go back and figure out where the genes are. huh. And they used to think that it was like 90, 96% of uh, DNA was junk. And then they found out that like, if you look at the human genome, some areas are gene-rich. Uh-huh. There's a lot of genes. Other areas are gene-deserts where there's very few. Right. We have to go back and look at this map and basically crack this code of this four-letter language mm-hmm. and figure out what genes are what, what they do, and then ultimately how to manipulate them. And once we do that, we effectively have taken humanity out of evolution. That's right. Scary, is it? Mm, I think so. Our friend David Pierce would beg to differ. Who? The guy from the happiness audio book. He oh, said right. That we should ratchet up human happiness because we can.
0: Yeah. Boy, that's, it's a interesting argument. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say.
1: So, um, we're already kind of at a, a very, uh, primitive form of this, aren't we?
0: Uh, well, yeah, like I said, we, we feasibly could choose eye color and hair color if we wanted to. Right. Um, and then one thing we can definitely do is, well, I guess we should explain about IVF for those of you who don't know. Right. Um, in 1978, we first perform in vitro fertilization, which basically means when you're a couple, and you're having trouble having a kid, there are a bunch of different steps you can take, a bunch of different routes you can take, and one of them is IVF, which means you take the sperm from the man, egg from the lady, and you get them together outside of the human body to form a zygote, and then you put it back in the woman, uh, and then she takes it from there. And it is, uh, can be expensive, it can be very hard on the woman, um, on her body, and, and, you emotionally? know. Emotionally?
1: Emotionally. I think it's probably hard on the couple emotionally. If <clears throat> sure. It doesn't stick.
0: But dudes aren't pumped full of hormones. Sure. You know what I'm saying? True. Um, so that, that is what IVF is, and that is one way that you can have a baby if you're having trouble having babies. Uh, with IVF came something called pre-implantation uh, genetic diagnosis. PGD, which basically means, hey, we can look at, at your stuff here and if you are uh, predisposed in your family to certain things mm-hmm. like hemophilia A, Down syndrome, Tay-Sachs syndrome, we can we can uh, stop this process now and try again.
1: Right. We can scream for it. Yeah. And some of it's intuitive. Like with hemophilia A, uh, if you and your husband both have that, that usually tends to strike boys more than girls. Yeah. So they probably... Not use embryos that were male,
0: likely male. They would use
1: female yeah. embryos instead.
0: Which brings up the sticky point of choosing your gender,
1: right? Yeah. Um, some others we can you can find that uh, evidence of that disease that say, um, I guess, malfunctioning gene that creates that disease because that's what disease is. Yeah. Um, and not use those embryos either. So we uh, we are kind of at this primitive state, but it's selective.
0: It is, and these are tough decisions. That couples face in life, uh, a lot of thought should go into this. If you're out there uh, going through this process, sure, it's um, it ain't easy. And don't let anyone else tell you what you should or shouldn't do. You know, this is a personal thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so that's what's that's what's going on on the IVF tip.
1: <laughs> so yeah, the the point is is from that came um, PGD, yeah, pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which is. Um, kind of right now the most widely available type of genetic engineering for couples looking to have a baby, right?
0: Right. And like we said, the sticky point of potentially being able to choose your gender, if you really want a boy, you've got three girls and you man, I really wanted a boy. Um, and then in countries like China where they definitely want boys, it's like this could be the future that might upset the balance of of nature and how many boys and girls are born. Yeah. And what does that mean for the future?
1: So I heard to um, to have a soft landing from their one child policy, which they're now starting to like relax. Right. They should have stopped it about twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's so does that mean they're in trouble? Yeah. Does that mean we need to follow up like we recommended writers do on our podcast? Oh yeah, you want to? <laughs> sure. Well, I guess you just did.
1: Oh, okay. There it was. All right. I heard. <laughs> Um so Chuck uh we've got this we've got this genetic screening that's one way to do it. There's also <clears throat> another way um that is a little further out as far as humans go. Um and that is uh transgenic therapy, which is where you take the gene of something else that desirous trait mm-hmm. and insert it into some into the human, right? Right. So, so what, th- we're, what this we're,
0: isn't we're, just subtracting, it's actually adding a gene.
1: Right. We're, what we've been talking about to this point is Unnatural selection. Yeah. But it's been selection. It's like, this is, this is, uh, it, it appeared naturally, mm-hmm. but we're going to take away all of the other, we're going to reduce the chances that it won't happen or we're going to increase yeah. the chances that that will happen. Right. This is straight up copying and pasting or cutting and pasting genes to create something desirable or new.
0: That's right. And they already do this in animals. Um, so. You know, if you can do it in animals, it's not going to be long before you can do it with humans. Sure. And, uh, long term, maybe that means we can eliminate certain diseases by correcting this stuff along the way. Right. Like before it happens. So that could be good.
1: So, uh, <laughs> so when you take a, a gene from one animal and, um, implant it into another, that's, um, that's become a transgenic animal yeah. or a chimera which is based on the goat, serpent, lion, fire-breathing animal of legend from Greece. Yeah. Um, they, they call it a chimera, which is kind of hurtful, I think, especially if you're a human and know what a chimera is. Sure. And you're a chimera. I'm <laughs> sure you probably hurt your feelings. But um, thus far, there aren't any human chimeras as far as I know. It's mostly the the big one that we've actually talked about unknowingly before is uh, biosteel, the yeah. goat. With the spider, remember we were trying to figure out how they got spider silk from a goat. Yeah, in the, it's pretty uh, easy. Body vest
0: one. It turns out armor. it turns out that spiders and goats share enough traits to where this ultra strong spider silk can be produced in the goat's milk. Yeah, they have similar proteins, and they said I don't know how they came across that. Uh, I'm sure they had some hint. I don't know why they would start with a goat's milk.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, the protein. You know in, what would happen if we put the spider silk in this goat's milk? <laughs> what rhymes with spider silk? Uh, goat's milk. Let's try that. Start there. Um, yeah. yeah, it worked. But they figured out that like the spider, the protein in spider silk uh, is similar to a protein in goat's milk. It's identical. And well, once you inject the uh, goat's genes with that spider yeah. gene,
0: it just meshes like a glove.
1: It starts producing a ton of that protein um, in its milk, and you harvest that protein, and then start weaving. Spider silk and make this stuff called Biosteel, which is really, really good body armor,
0: yeah, and that's where we talked about it, right? yeah, body armor podcast that you can find on our r s s feed,
1: yeah, and which also happened to be our first ever um listener request, oh really, yeah, someone
0: requested that, mm-hmm. and we acquiesced, yeah, and then we started getting all those emails <laughs> 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 um so the point of that is is they're doing this in animals. It, there are scenarios where we could potentially do this with humans, but, um, in a, another follow up article we read, turns out that enhancing ourselves genetically could eventually lead to, um, unknowing consequences down the road. Sure. Uh, specifically in this case, we have learned that our human brain is evolving, it's getting larger, it's gaining more cognitive abilities as we evolve. And if you start tampering with natural selection via genetic modification, th- these things might not show up right away. It might show up generations later. So you might be doing something you think will help when, in, in fact, years from now, it might keep your brain from growing like everyone else's. Right. And this is just one example of something that could go wrong.
1: Uh, organisms evolve, right, through mutations? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we lack the foresight to know what mutation will be beneficial and what will be harmful years down the line. Yeah. So even something that may be harmful immediately or somewhat harmful could be extremely beneficial decades, hundreds, thousands, millions of years from now. Yeah. We would never know.
0: Nope. That's and then one... it's too late once you've done it.
1: Yeah, you're done. No, I kind of had the impression that, like, once you start tampering, you could conceivably, you know, keep improving, but mm-hmm. it would have to be constant.
0: Well, and what this article points out, which is a good point, is natural selection is at its best when you've got a large gene pool. And if you're narrowing that gene pool right. for a reason you think is great, you're still narrowing the gene pool. Right. You know.
1: And I think proponents of uh, genetic engineering would say, well, that's fine. We're narrowing the gene pool. Who cares? We're taking full control of evolution so evolution can kiss off. Yeah. But this raises all sorts of questions, like some of which we've already touched upon. But, like, who decides what's ideal right who decides what traits are good and what are bad uh, what happens when this becomes you know commercially viable but is still extremely expensive yeah. then just the wealthy have designer children well, i mean what kind of designer children do do we make the, i read this one ethicist who said that we have a moral obligation to m- genetically engineer and modify our kids yeah. so that they're not a harm to themselves or other people i read that one Which makes a lot of sense. Uh Like, I can see how that is a moral obligation. Like, if you have the technology to improve people and improve society like that, Mm -hmm. you have to do it. Yeah. You know, but then, of course, there's, like, the other side. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. We don't really know what we're doing here. Playing God. Yeah. Because, I mean, what happens if you make a kid that's off a little bit and like they're like just totally messed up yeah but they they wouldn't have been if you hadn't tampered with them yeah who's responsible for that and in what ways are you responsible for it
0: well and more well not more importantly but additionally where are the line's drawn you know is it okay to say like uh, i kind of like my baby to have blue eyes right no big deal right yeah but was that the line or is the line like uh maybe it'd be cool if they were athletic right and super smart and had blue eyes and blonde hair, but and then boom, Boys from Brazil.
1: But what's the again? What's the, what are the problems with those things? Well, yeah, you sure, know, it's
0: going to be athletic and smart,
1: right? Or happy is another one that David yeah. Pierce pointed out that I find tough to 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 disagree with. Like, if you have the technology to make your kids happier, like ratchet up their baseline happiness, is yeah. how we put it. Why wouldn't you do that? If you can make society a better place because everybody's happier, why wouldn't you do that? Well. I, it just This is just the Luddite in me saying, you know, there's always far-reaching consequences. There's always ripples every stone you throw in a, a lake. Yeah. You know, like, w- w- what what else is going to happen if everybody's happy? Yeah. Are there downfalls? Are there setbacks? Are there What's going on?
0: I know. It is a tricky, tricky subject.
1: Anytime we bring up genes, it becomes a tricky subject. It does. Which is why they're fascinating.
0: That's right, and why people really... Get up on their soapbox when they, you know, this is this means a lot to a lot of people, religious circles, right. scientific circles, a lot of folks are weighing in from different, you know, parts Square of society. <laughs> I don't even know what that means.
1: It's it was just stupid. Okay. If you want to learn more about genetics, how stuff works is loaded with them articles on them on it, yeah. Um, You can type in genetics, genes, designer babies, whatever you want in the handy search bar, and it's going to bring up some pretty cool articles. We recommend you waste a year or two reading them. Um, And I said handy search bar, I think, so that means it's time for listener mail.
0: That's right, Josh. I am going to uh, call this plug for our friends at QSAC. Remember meeting uh, Sandra at Trivia Night in New York? She gave us the hats. The, um, the baseball caps?
1: Yeah, What? what is
0: the... Uh... QSAC is the Quality Services for the Autism Community. Okay, all right. So this is from uh, Sandra. She's super sweet, very nice, and she says this. Uh, guys, thanks so much for humoring my over-enthusiasm for my cause uh, and my over-enthusiasm for meeting you guys at Trivia Night, who I look up to. Uh, it was an amazing night of randomness. All the other people on our second-place team met in line, total strangers, after my initial star-struckness died down which never happens to me because I work with famous people all the time and couldn't care less. I just felt like, uh, it just felt like a night where I was hanging out with a few buddies I've known for a while. Um, She's talking about us. She's starstruck. We're very approachable. It's just silly. Um, She said, I felt that way about my whole table of strangers, actually. Uh, So anyway, she told us that night about uh, QSAC, um, organization she's with, and she says, I'm very passionate about QSAC because they changed my life, literally. I did a 5K to support them, uh, because it was local, and my nephew was autistic, and I wanted to see if I could actually walk that far. <laughs> she had broken both her ankles the previous year. Oh, Okay. okay. I thought that was funny, too. <laughs> um, man, I wonder if she was, uh, was it called Cobbled? Cobbled? Was that in Misery? Oh, yeah, that's what was I was it thinking.
1: Is it Cobbling? I just, there's a name for that? Or Hobbling. Or... She hobbled? Hobbled. Cobbled would be if you just broke Making... the foot rather than the ankle.
0: Might be called hobbling. Hob- anyway. Yeah, you're hobbled, but that's like a, a a state. No, but the process by which Kathy Bates like broke the ankles. I don't want to talk about it. She. It was called something like your. Ho- it was hobbling somebody. Maybe I'll look that up. Oh, that was so nasty. <laughs> anyway, I don't think Sandra was cobbled or hobbled. Uh, so at the time, I had no clue who they were. Uh, Cusack made uh, friends with everyone there and many people who worked there. then three months later, I actually started work there as an employee. I was in corporate television as a video editor for 10 years, and it beat down my soul. Uh, I was always volunteering and donating what I could, and I felt like maybe nonprofit is what I should be doing. The opportunity arose, and I took it, and it has been life-changing, dudes. Since you guys are so excellent at being philanthropic, I decided to see if you'd be interested in knowing more. So Josh mentioned you guys were considering doing a podcast on autism. I'm sure we'll get around to that at some mm-hmm, point, right? For sure. Um, if you do, I have plenty of people that could answer a lot of questions and gladly pass along addresses and phone numbers. Uh, QSAC has been around for over 30 years, truly amazing uh, in helping the New York City and Long Island areas. So if you guys want to help support uh, this great uh, cause for autism, you can go to QSAC.com or she has a bowling page. And I think you do, like, it's like a fundraiser is going through bowling. Right. At uh, www.firstgiving.com slash fundraiser slash Sandra Soroka slash bowl. And that is Sandra, uh, S-O-R-O-K-A, uh, Sandra Soroka. Very nice. And, so. Yeah, she was, she was super nice, and she's work, working for autism now.
1: Very cool, man. Um. Can I give one more shout out? We we heard from another listener. Of course, um, a listener named uh, Emily Eisenman is running for Life Straw. Did you see this email?
0: I did, and I was going to read that later. Let's let's go ahead and do it now.
1: Okay, yeah. All right. So um, Emily is running for Life Straw. She heard our um, podcast from 2010 on Life Straw, and she's decided to raise a thousand dollars to buy Life Straws by running a thousand miles. Wow. Yeah. Um, and she is going to cross the 1,000-mile mark for the year uh, this week. She may have already done it. Um, and she's proving to be a better funder than, or better runner than a fundraiser, she says. So if everybody uh, who listens to Stuff You Should Know would go help, uh, help her fundraise, that would be fantastic. You can go to F-U-N-D-L-Y, dot com slash run for life straw. Um, and you guys can go check that out and uh, help Emily raise some money for LifeStraw. And if you are unfamiliar with LifeStraw, go listen to our podcast on that subject.
0: Which you can probably are going to have to find on our RSS feed as well. Yeah, that is... Um, Just, you know what you do? You, you Google or you get your favorite search bar and you type in stuff you should know, RSS feed, and it's like boom right there. All of our shows ever.
1: Yep, stuff you should know, RSS. Every single one is good stuff. Um, all right, well, I guess that's it, right? That is it, sir. All right. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can uh, tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. And you can send us a good old-fashioned email to StuffPodcast at
0: Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.